Welcome back to IDH Podcasts. You're listening to me, Manisha Kodirova, and today we are going to talk about farmed fish, also known as aquaculture. Aquaculture is an enormous, complicated, and diverse sector, and globally, we produce and consume far more fish than we do, for example, beef. It is known to have a fractured value chain, it employs millions of people, and of course has impact on the environment as well as on human health. I'm sitting here with Flavio Corsin, IDH's Director for Aquaculture Program, who also leads the organization's work on agrochemicals. And we're going to focus on how data and data management is proving to be the solution to bringing about economic, environmental, and social sustainability in aquaculture. Flavio, welcome to the podcast. So first question for you, how did you actually end up in this sector? Okay, so I've been in aquaculture for quite a long time. I started in uh, 94, as soon as I graduated from university. I started working for free during my military service uh, in, a, in a university, on uh, working on trout production and, all, uh, and um, sea bass production. I fell in love with the subject. I always loved the idea of, uh, of producing from water. And, uh, and then I did a, a PhD on uh, aquatic uh, epidemiology. Aquatic epidemiology. Yeah, What's epidemiology, that? which is not epidermiology, so it's nothing to do with the skin. skin. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, the study of diseases in populations. So the same science that they would say, if you smoke, you are... X times more likely to develop a certain type of cancer um, is, is applied to fish. Is disease a big issue in the aquaculture sector? Is the number one issue. So every time you go to an event uh, on aquaculture, the top two issues are always disease and issues related to feed. When I say disease, you have new diseases occurring every couple of years, especially in shrimp farming, but also in, in fish farming. You have a very variable survival. So the number of fish that survive from the time when you stock them to the time when you harvest them can vary incredibly. I mean, mm. enormously between, I don't know, depending on the on the stock, but uh, between 40, 50% to 70, 80, 90%. You look at salmon, this, the survival is above 90%. You look at tropical aquaculture, the survival is generally between 50, 60, 70%. And because of that, there is a lot of money being lost because you, when a fish dies, still eight and feed is around 80% of the cost of production. So uh, 80% of the cost is actually going into the feed. And every time you lose a fish, you are losing money that you have invested into the feed. So the economic, there is an economic cost to it for from the smallholders to the economies of, uh, of the countries that are producing. You mentioned that the other important issue the sector is facing has to do with feed. The biggest issue on feed, there are two issues. So one is the fact that you want to reduce the waste and it's linked to diseases. So if you control diseases, you need less feed to produce fish because from the feed, you're producing more fish. Okay, that's the feed efficiency, okay? Uh, the second thing is uh, traceability. So because you're reliant on uh, still on quite a bit of uh, fish, from the wild that end up into the feed. Well, you have to know where the fish is coming from. Was it harvested using uh, proper social uh, conditions on the on the boats? 
but was there as I don't know child labor on the boats? Uh, was it uh, harvested illegally? So and you have to have that level of traceability to have any claims around the product that you have at the end. So if you go to the supermarket and you buy some shrimp, you want to think that there was no slave labor involved in producing the shrimp. IDH is obviously addressing these very problems through its aquaculture program, and we'll get to that in a moment. But before we do, let's put things into perspective a little. What is the scale of aquaculture production that we're talking about here? And the other question is, in which regions of the world do we have the biggest producers and the biggest consumers? There is more fish being produced than beef. I think fish overtook beef some five or six years ago. So, and the production since then has been growing. So we are now talking about, the statistics are uh, up to 2015, I think. They were talking about 76.6 million, I think, uh, million metric tons. But if you think about the Olympic swimming pools, you're talking about something like a 30,000 Olympic swimming pool full of fish every year. And, and when we say aquaculture, we're just talking about just to be clear, on fish that's produced in farms, right? It's fish Correct. farms, so it has nothing to do with fish that's caught from the sea. Correct. And where does most of the aquaculture production take place then? Asia. Yeah, Asia. Asia. So China makes probably two-thirds of the fish produced globally. Fish produced in Vietnam exceeds the fish being produced by Europe. Is Asia also the biggest consumer of fish? Yeah. Uh, is it just the population size or is it in their diet? It's, in the, it's a population size and it's a di- in their diet. So uh, in every meal, you would have a little bit of fish or most people would have a little bit of fish. So you're telling me that Asia is both the biggest producer and the biggest market for aquaculture. Is there enough appetite there for sustainable fish? Well, there is still a lot of fish going into, so we are talking about production, but there is also the, the consumption side. So uh, traditionally, the biggest markets they used to be European Union, uh, North America, uh, Japan, of course. So if you look at the, the Asia production. Huh? So because of that, then there is uh, there is a quite a lot of drive towards sustainability, towards, uh, towards certification. That's why we created the Aquaculture Stewardship Council, uh, which is uh, together with WWF, uh, that was uh, the first high-level standard, if you want, on environmental sustainability in the aquaculture sector. And what role do you think IDH could play in making the aquaculture sector become more sustainable? Yeah, what, what IDH does, we, we strengthen collaboration and we do that at the global level, at the national level and at the zone level. And we try to incorporate data use, data management and data analysis more into the sector to make the sector much more data driven. So the sector is extremely fragmented. I mentioned before the 500 species uh, that are being farmed, um, the number of countries and the, where, where the fish is coming from. That fragmentation can be addressed only by strengthening collaboration or by integrating data and then structuring data within the production. You look at tropical aquaculture and that is not happening. So there are a lot of data being collected out of certification, for example. There are data being collected by farmers uh, for uh, normal management. I check the water and if the water is not very good, I change it. Okay, so... Can we do more with this data? Can we drive those sectors, uh, tropical aquaculture, and we are talking here about uh, shrimp, tilapia, pangasius, can we drive it towards uh, towards uh, increase uh, efficiency by using data more and more effectively? Let's go more into data. How is data collected in the world of aquaculture and why is it important for sustainability of fish? 
So there are different ways. You can have data collected by the farmers, so the farmers will keep records, and then they write them in a piece of paper or in a, in a, in a poem book, and then that is accessible. In some cases, they will not write them, uh, so that you have to, to start creating tools that help the farmers to, co to collect that, uh, that information, that uh, collect those data uh, on one side. The other one is increasingly start seeing um, sensors being put into ponds. For example, there is an interesting company, started from Indonesia, called the fishery, uh, which is uh, uh, one of the recipients of, uh, of uh, investment from one of our partners, Aquaspark, which is also a, a Dutch organization. Uh, there is an impact investor. So e-fishery as uh, these uh, machines, these units, release the feed dependent on how the fish move. So looking at the fish movement, they understand how much fish, how much feed should be released because they recognize the behavior. It will give you data on the behavior mm -hmm. of the fish, and then you can use that behavior of the fish, and that's where we come in. We connect uh, expertise to look at those data and start saying, well, can we create an early warning system for the farmer? So the farmer knows something's wrong here and then maybe can approach uh, veterinary services mm -hmm. or they can uh, change the water, they can monitor a few things, they can take a few fish out to check them and say, well, what's wrong with this fish? And so on. Okay, so that's, that's how you can use data management to address uh, disease issues? Correct. Yeah. Or you could have different sensors so now increasingly start having data loggers. So you get machines in the water that collect information on temperature, on salinity and things like this. So you are automating it a little bit more. And then those data then can be basically not just used for the normal management, as, we, as I mentioned before, mm -hmm. but they used also for the, the, the disease control. What role can IDH play in data management in aquaculture? For the first time, we are structuring the tropical aquaculture around data, around the using data, around the strengthening collaboration at the zone level. We are doing that in China, in the two top producing, I mentioned China is the top producer of fish globally. So we are working with the top two provinces producing tilapia in China. These are Hainan and Guangdong. There we are structuring data use. What does that mean? It means uh, trying to get the farmers to collect the data and connecting those data to experts that look at those data, analyze them, and provide feedback to the farmers. And then the farmers change their practices based on that feedback, and you have created a, a loop between data, feedback, changing management practices, which... Uh, our proof of concept. So our theory is that that will bring change in terms of a reduction of diseases and increased efficiency. And does everybody see the business case for that? Well, the people that we are working with, uh, yes. And it took quite a long time. It took us, uh, I don't know, probably a year to set up uh, many of these projects. So the, for this project here, we are working with the largest tilapia buyer globally. We are working with, uh, I mentioned already, the two top producing provinces, um, the Hainan tilapia, Sustainable Tilapia Alliance, which is an association of producers. And they all say, yes. We want to see, because I, I think there is a something around the use of data, something can be done around using data and creating efficiency. So they start seeing it. 
Then there is an additional advantage which we are bringing to the table slowly in the aquaculture sector because now banks don't invest into aquaculture, not in tropical aquaculture. Uh-huh. So they, well, it's very risky it because of diseases. So they would invest, so they would give you money based on collateral. So you have land, you have bonds, and then you give me evidence of that. And then if you don't pay back, I get the land. But if we start collecting data, then the banks, insurers can actually say, well, you know, maybe we could have a financial product for uh, uh, these farms, but we could deploy it only in the last four months because after four months, nobody fails. Okay, but because there is that lack of understanding, which is also based on the lack of data, then that proposition cannot be offered. And where does IDH have projects where it carries out such work? So now we have a project in China, which we just started. We got a project approved in Thailand, which is basically now being finalized. Uh, we have a, a project that is going to be starting with a major event, bringing together public and private sector in the Mekong Delta of Vietnam. Often the zones where we are creating collaboration are also the places where we use the data. The disconnect happens, uh, for example, when you have large-scale companies that uh, they now do not use data, and that's why we have to start from those guys. Because if we had to do this with the starting from the smallholders would be impossible. Already working with the large scale operations is difficult. But then when we have learned experiences there, then we can take it to the smallholders. Large scale operations that are willing to become more data driven, they are not willing to collaborate, so they want to keep their data confidential. Therefore, we engage with the individual companies one at a time with a deal that then we learn together and we communicate broadly on the lessons learned for example, on the use of using data, uh, the benefits of using data for sustainable aquaculture. There must be bottlenecks in data management, no? Well, there are a couple. <laughs> the first one is that the uh, farmers do not really collect data in a structured way. So you have to think in a, in a way in which you can make that job easy. Second is um, the farmers might be a bit reluctant to give you real data. So say, well, you know, you're going to show this data also to my customers. So why would I tell you if I use a certain product or not? And we hope to break that um, by basically creating transparency around the fact that uh, If you put bad data in, you get bad advice. If you get good data, then you can get good advice. If you have to put bad data, it's better if you don't put any data. Linked to that is the fact that uh, increasingly industries have been attacked for their practices. There are a lot of benefits by creating transparency. So people cannot lie about you around what farming system you are adopting. What fraction of the global market for aquaculture could benefit from the data management work that IDH is doing? In the the project in the Mekong, we are talking about uh, probably aiming around 20% of the Pangasius production and around maybe 5% of the shrimp production. In uh, Ecuador, uh, the ambition is by 2020 to be around 20% uh, antibiotic-free. And again, plugging in data and the use of data to create, uh, to control disease. All the work that we are doing is designed for scale. 
for me, it's not important if we have 1% or 5% or 20%. What's important is that to produce that 1%, for example, you have the right big players that they can scale it. Mm. So if I have the top producer, the top buyer of tilapia globally, I know that if they can make money out of this uh, engagement, they will replicate it in every place or they will try to replicate it in every place where they are operating. Same thing for the well, a country like China. If the country like China want to apply, applies this and they see the benefits, then it can be rolled out to different parts of the industry. Um, could be from tilapia moving to catfish, moving to shrimp and so on. And as I mentioned before, China produces two-thirds of the fish globally. So imagine a country that takes a data-driven approach, they recognize that need, and they integrate it in all their farming operations. So you already have converted two-thirds of the global aquaculture production. Two-thirds so, of the 30,000 uh, swimming pools. Exactly. Wow. That's a lot of swimming pools. It's 20,000. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. What is the appetite in China for this? It's a huge, actually. So the, this is the beginning. And every time you are at the beginning, there is a, a lot of people looking, contributing, sitting at the table. So we had the national government when we had the, we organized the workshop a couple of months ago. So we had the number two in the aquaculture from the government uh, sitting with us and talking about this. So we are talking about one species in two provinces. Yes, very important. But we are already uh, attracting uh, people at the government level. Mm. Uh, we are in discussion with the Tencent. Tencent thing is bigger than Facebook now. It's uh, the Chinese social. It's a Chinese social media that is uh, like uh, WhatsApp. So they have a chat uh, version. It's called WeChat, and you have uh, farmers, farmer groups that are using WeChat. To what extent can you use data text mining? It's called so data from those text messages to understand when people have problems, and therefore use text data to. Act upon. So, as a farmer, you would text to who would you text them to? To other farmers. To other farmers. So, okay. there are, there is, for example, so a. Do you have a role to play in that? Well, if we connect the data to expertise in looking at those data, that's what is missing. So they doesn't know that you could do text mining around a, a, a certain type of signs of a mm-hmm. disease. Uh, and you say, because that is important to the farmers. And could you provide a service around uh, analyzing those data? So, when you have those data and you find, because you have telephone numbers, so you would have locations, you can identify that there are areas at higher risk. You might identify a new disease. Farmers start talking about white potted fish, for example. They write text messages to each other. Hey, I have white spotted fish here and they are dying. And those white spotted fish and dying, those four words, can be recognized. Yes, I also have white spot. And you can look at trends, those messages. When you have that information, then you can act upon it. Okay, so when we're talking about the typical, um, it's global industry, but when we're talking about the typical farm size in agriculture, what are we talking about? Well, there is no, that's the beauty, there is no typical uh, uh, farm size. So, for example, if you talk about Vietnam, their smallholders will have around one hectare, 1.2 hectares or something like that. And how Uh, much fish does that produce? In shrimp, depending on on the system. So you can range between 100 to 200 kilos to five tons. In one year? In uh, one crop. And how many crops? You have uh, the <laughs> between, uh, so between one crop and three crops you can have. So let's say in terms of uh, production per year, you might end up between 200 kilos, 300 kilos to some 15 tons per year. 
for, from one hectare. So it's a very diverse, and that diversity is also creates a fragmentation because then you say, this is the way to do shrimp farming sustainably. Well, what does it mean? Because every different farming system have their own sustainability issues and their own peculiarity in addressing those sustainability issues. And that's where actually having the data can capture that those differences and differentiate recommendations, again, dealing with that diversity. If sustainability issues are not addressed in aquaculture, who has the most to lose? Everybody. So uh, they calculated that, uh, for example, for shrimp, uh, between 1980 and 2016, there was something like a $40 billion lost because of diseases. That was at the production. Then you had a $24 billion. That's globally. For shrimp. Oh, for shrimp only. Okay. Yeah? So then there were $24 billion lost in export. Which means that uh, lost in export is lost in, in foreign currency, is lost in taxation, uh, so in income for uh, for countries, generally developing or mid-income countries, and then you had another thirteen billion dollars lost in feed business because uh, then if you don't have a farm, you don't produce, therefore you don't make the you don't make any any feed for those uh, for those animals, so that, and that is they also affecting jobs. For for example, job revenues. It affects the trade of agricultural products that end up in the feed, for example. So from the farmer, the individual farmer, to the companies, the companies that they are farming, to the companies that are exporting, to the countries, to the labor, processing plants employ a lot of women. They, but the majority, when you look at the floors, there are a lot of women generally in their early 20s, then if the processing plants don't produce, if the farms don't produce, the processing plants, they have nothing to process, which means a lot of jobs at stake. So the, the losses are, I tell you, you know, from a social perspective, are, are enormous. And if you think about the feed in terms of traceability, if the value chain cannot take into account and keep clean from slave labor, child labor, uh, from the from the boats, then there are also impacts from the social side that uh, nobody can pay attention. Um, you look at the, the, the way of harvesting the fish. So if you use unsuitable ways for harvesting the fish, mm-hmm. you can destroy the habitats, which means that a lot of the fish that were using those habitats to to grow, to proliferate, are they cannot use them anymore, or they they are they are depleted, which means. Uh, feed for coastal communities, local communities that are fishing just outside, uh, you know, outside the village, then they will have less fish to harvest, therefore limiting the consumption of uh, good quality proteins. And data to the rescue. And data to the rescue, why not? Thank you, Flavio. That is all we have time for today. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you did, you can listen to more podcasts on soundcloud.com forward slash IDH trade. You can also sign up to our newsletter and you can get your monthly podcast.